Pearl Time is brought to you by Camp Lighthouse, which provides a free Christian camp for kids who otherwise could not experience it. Camp Lighthouse has a vision to be the light of Jesus in a dark and broken world, one person at a time. This is also the purpose of this podcast, where we will dive into biblical truth and hear insightful interviews from ministry leaders who are living out those truths each day. Turtle Time is the name of the rest time period during the summer camp ministry at Camp Lighthouse. So our hope is that you will experience a little rest in the middle of your busy and chaotic week. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Turtle Time. I'm Alan White. I'll be your host today. And today we're going to be looking through Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And this is a passage that I love for a variety of reasons. I usually tip, I usually do this for, for weddings. I, I read it for premarital counseling. I, I think it's a perfect passage that describes what it means to live in the confines of a biblical relationship. And really it kind of is laid out in terms of kind of a set of like five rules of how to approach relationships. And you kind of hear this 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 cliche saying, I guess you can say that happens in the church where we talk about, you know, in the New Testament now that we have a relationship with Jesus, it's all about a relationship and not about rules. And this is true. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And so we don't have to live underneath a system of rules and regulations in order to obtain our salvation anymore. However, if we have a relationship with Christ, there are some relational rules in effect that we are called to abide by and called to to live by. And so not only is that something that we have rules in our relationship with God in terms of, of how he wants us to order our lives and prioritize our lives, Jesus, Jesus coming did not abolish the idea that God doesn't want us to have idols. He just fulfilled that Christ is the supreme object of worship. And so again, it's not that rules don't have their place, it's just that they're not their, the way to heaven. And so today, as I, as I dig through these rules, I don't want you to hear it in a way that says, if you do these five things, then you're a good Christian. If you do these five things, then you're a good person. If you do these five things, then you're going to heaven. But that you might be able to see these verses as here are the rules that you should live underneath in the confines of any type of Christian relationship. And so again, I've done this for countless couples for their wedding, for their premarital counseling. I think it's a a biblical standard to live within within a family between parents and their kids and kids and their parents. I think that it's a a biblical community covenant within a a small group setting or within a church setting and, and an entire congregation. And so today, Today, think of this as these are the guidelines, these are the rules, these are what we should be committing to towards one another when we are in a biblical relationship with another person, whether that be a platonic relationship as a, as a friendship or a family, or whether that be a romantic relationship uh, such as a spouse. So it says this beginning in verse 9. It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. We could do an entire podcast just on that one that one verse. I'll read it again. It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. In, in our modern context, love has turned into a commodity in that if I give you love, if I give you something loving, if I give you a form of love, so for some people that's respect, for some people that's affection, for some people that's attention, for some people that's money, time, whatever your love language is, if I give you love, then I can expect to receive it back in return. And now, while that's a healthy expectation to have of people, that is not the reason in which you give it. And so love must be sincere in that you should give love to other people 
without any type of strings attached to it. It must be sincere because if you're giving it with the goal of then receiving in return, you're not really giving it from a sincere place, but rather from a place that you're using that as a trading commodity to be able to get to what you want. And it says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So again, when I'm working with married couples, I say there's there's so much evil and there's so much bad and there's so much hurt and pain and, and, and all of those things in our modern context that it's easy to get bogged down by those. It's easy for us to to, to, to focus on the negative. And so what this verse is calling us to is, is that we would cling to that which is good in each other and that which is good all around us. It's not to stick your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend that bad things don't happen. It's not all of life is sunshine and rainbows, but that we would cling to the things in one another that are good. And how many times in our relationships do we just point out the faults? Do we just focus on other people's shortcomings? But rather, to love somebody sincerely is to love them knowing that they are imperfect just like you are. Moves on into verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And every single one of these rules, you'll notice, it, he, Paul kind of begins with a statement and then kind of further unpacks it in the back half of the verse. It says, be devoted to one another in love. And then it says, honor one another above yourselves. Basically defining that as, if you're devoted to one another in love, then you are naturally going to honor one another above yourselves. Again, it does not mean to bring dishonor to yourself, but rather to give honor and first preference to the other person. And this might not really carry as much weight today as it did when this was written. We don't live in an honor culture now. We live in more of an accomplishment culture. Um, and so the word honor probably doesn't carry maybe as much power as it would for the original Roman church that would have heard this. But you think about honor one another above yourselves, I meaning put other people first. And so in our modern context, it would be Put the goals and the needs and the desires and the expectations of other people ahead of your own. Not that they would conflict with your own, especially when you have different beliefs or different priorities, but that you would see another person's needs, desires, wants as being more important than your own. And especially, again, going back to a marriage, if both spouses will do this equally for each other, everyone still gets the thing that they need. Everyone still receives the thing that they expect. You're just receiving it from your partner, which is so much of a better way of doing it than it is to go out and take it for yourself. So to put others first. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So again, it begins with the, the command, don't lack spiritual zeal. Don't lose your passion. It says instead, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So again, remain in love with God. You think about Wesley's three rules of, of do no harm, do all the good you can, and remain in love with God. This is a lot of probably where he was pulling the heart of that from. And so this says to stay in love with God. And one way in which we stay in love with God is by serving God. As you serve God, as you put your life in God's hands, you naturally have the spiritual passions because God is, is, is kindling that in you as you're serving him. And so... If there's something I can see, especially at my age now in my late 30s, as I head into my 40s, a lot of my peers in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, I, I can see where they've just put their faith on autopilot for far too long. They, they go to church on Sunday mornings, they sign up for the committee, they volunteer at, the, at the, the, the VBS or whatever it might be, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Those are all great things, but they turn those actions into their spiritual life rather than the, the mystical and the, the abstract part of it to actually remain in love with God. 
And so how much time are you spending with the Lord? And again, not really would be a place where it's, oh, I'm proud of you because you spent 45 minutes with God instead of 30 minutes with God. It's not a, it's not a number amount, but are you spending time in relationship with God? You wouldn't have a relationship with your spouse, your kids, your friends, whomever, if you never spent time with them. And so like, likewise, to spend time with the Lord is to keep your passion kindled, and that allows you then to never be lacking in zeal. Verse 12. Verse 12 may be the hardest one. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And so relationally speaking, that sounds like more of a command of what does that have to do with the relationship? It means that you as a couple, you as a family, you as a parent, that you would be joyful in hope and that it's not necessarily what the person is, it's what you hope they become in Christ. It's not that it's always going to be happy. It's not that you're never going to have difficulties. Again, going to marriage, it's not that you're ever going to fight, but can you be patient in affliction? And so that can be understood as when you're experiencing persecution from the world or hardship from the world or going through a really difficult season. Of course, patience in affliction, but think about that in a relational context. What does it mean to be patient with someone who is afflicting you? And so when your kids, your spouse, your parents, your friends, your coworkers offend you, are you the person that immediately goes to eviscerate them with your own words, or you immediately go to try and do damage to them, or are you patient in that affliction? Are you joyful in the hope of the person that God is turning them into? And then are you faithful in prayer? Praying through your afflictions, praying through your conflict with other people, praying through your disputes and your arguments with your spouse can be so much of a healthier way of approaching it. So let's assume that your spouse, your child, your friend does something to offend you, does something to afflict you. Rather than reacting immediately, patiently step back and then prayerfully talk through that with the Lord so that then you can find the joy to approach that issue with that person. And so again, that patient, joyful and hope, patient affliction and faithful in prayer is probably a just a, here's a faith piece of advice and rule, but I also look at it inside of this context of, of rules for healthy relationships. And then verse 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. And it doesn't just talk about practicing hospitality with people that live outside of your home. Practice hospitality with your spouse. One of the most valuable things you can do is make your spouse feel comfortable and at home in their own home. Same thing for your children. Your children should want to come home because with all the mess that they experience at school, at work, whatever age they happen to be in their own personal lives, your home should be the place where they come to experience safety and rest in the Lord. And so it's not just talking about putting out good good bagels. It's not just talking about serving them good coffee. It's not just talking about making sure that your house is clean. That's what we think of when we think of hospitality. It's how do you make other people feel at home when they are in your home? And maybe even think of your life as a mobile home, meaning whenever people are in your presence, whenever you are around people, do you make them feel comfortable that you are a safe place for them, that you are a place of rest for them? One of the best gifts I think that we can give to other people in our lives is that we would be a place of rest for them inside a really painful and at times dark world. And so we see this scripture in Romans chapter 12 verses 9 through 13 and we see these these five rules come into play 
and telling us, here's how I want you to interact with your relationships. Here's how I want you to live within biblical community with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworker, with your fellow congregants at church. And so I hope this scripture today challenged you. I hope it showed you some place in your life where you can love more sincerely, where you can honor someone else above yourself, where you can find places to serve the Lord that that might kindle your spiritual fervor, that you might be able to look at your afflictions and your difficulties and your conflicts differently by being patient and prayerful inside of those moments, and that you would practice hospitality in making yourself a place of rest for everyone you come in contact with. In just a moment, we're going to have an interview from one of our ministry partners with City of Refuge. Stick around. Turtle Time is brought to you by Camp Lighthouse, which provides a free Christian camp for kids who otherwise could not experience it. Camp Lighthouse does this by partnering with various homeless transitional centers and community ministries around Atlanta. They bring their kids to camp for several days and nights of fun, fellowship, laughter, and worship. The goal is for each camper to have their own counselor. This allows the counselor the opportunity to be the light of Jesus in each child's life in a real and deeply relational way. If you would like to learn more about this ministry or how you can support it, go to camplighthouse.org. All donations go directly towards helping kids experience the light of Jesus, one person at a time. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. I'm Alan White, and I'm going to be doing an interview with Virginia Richburg, who is the program manager for City of Refuge for their children's ministry. Virginia, thank you for joining us for the podcast today. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Uh, and so we've been looking at uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, and that's a verse that I've used a lot when I'm doing weddings. It's a highly relational passage, and for me, it just it represents the covenant relationship that it should exist really inside of any type of Christian relationship, inside of a marriage, inside of a small group. Um, but as I've observed City of Refuge over the past many years from a distance and as campers at Camp Lighthouse, uh, I can see where all of these things come into practice. And it begins with love must be sincere, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And so in your work with the kids, where do you see that come up and how do you really help the kids because I think love must be sincere is important because you don't want to be traded, but how do you help them to not cling on to the, just the, the evil and the hurt that they see around them sometimes? Yeah. Um, so one thing when I see like love must be sincere, um, I think the biggest thing is that love is an action. And um, at City of Refuge, that's one thing that we really highlight is like we're going to treat every person, every child that walks through our doors with dignity and respect um, and just show them that like this is what you really deserve. And it is, it's funny, we were um, reading a Bible verse with all of the kids and I um, can't remember exactly what one it was, but um, we were reading a passage of scripture with them and they were like, well, what if someone does something bad to you? And like, what if they do this specifically? Or like, why does my life look different than this person's and this person's? Um, so it really is like a hard, I feel like barrier to get over. But I think one of the biggest things that I try to show them, um, and either my love for them, um, or my love from the Lord is that first I'm loved through the Lord. And then that love has to display, um, towards them and to show them that like, if love is sincere, then, again, like you were saying, it's not something that's traded. It's it's me showing you that I love you by showing up and being there. When I say that I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. When I say that I will give you two snacks every day, I'll give you two snacks. And then just being able to actually see 
that there is good and to cling to that good, um, even if it is just in the after school program or if it's in summer camp and just really instead of realize, and I would like for this place to be a place that um, kind of shuts out the evil. And so when they walk through these doors, they see that this place is good um, because our God is good and that they are going to see that we are going to show them, honestly, the good inside of them, too, um, because that's one thing we have on our walls in the back is just positive affirmations, like, you are loved, I am chosen, I am strong, I am smart, I am kind, and just, like, really pouring that into them and then believing those truths about themselves, and I feel like that's, when they believe that about themselves, they're able to, like, believe that there is some good in the world, um, and so I think also it's just us showing up and being there, um, for them every day no matter what kind of day they come in with it's like okay we leave that at the door and now you're at city kids you're safe you're loved you're cared for whether that's a snack or help with homework or um just a conversation like I pull some of them into my office and we just have like one-on-one conversations in the afternoons and I feel like it's a good like reset for the day and just show them like I love you and I'm here for you and because I'm here for you I know that you can be better or do better than this decision that you made um how do you break yeah. down those walls I mean in terms of like this the next part of that verse is honor one another above yourselves since you're trying to kind of pass off those values to kids and that can it's difficult with any kids uh, regardless of background but if kids have experienced um, an intense amount of trauma or they've, they've been in hard environments before even if they're not currently in hard environments that can harden their own hearts and you have to kind of break down those barriers and those walls what do you guys do specifically with like the teens and the, and the kids as well to help soften that a little bit to yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard it is yeah um and sometimes to me, I feel like it even starts with the moms um, and them just getting on campus and realizing like that I can trust you enough with my kids. And when I trust you enough with my kids, then I know that you're going to be there kind of like we were talking about. But breaking down those walls, I mean, it is really hard, especially when they've experienced trauma or they've experienced the fact that this person doesn't love me or um, and I think it's even just trusting in like the daily things. Like I know I keep coming back to the snacks, but we had one little girl. Um, that was actually talking about her favorite thing when she got here was that she knew that she was going to have dinner and breakfast the next morning because she didn't have breakfast and lunch that day. Um, and so it's just in the little moments, being intentional about those little moments that they know that over time they can trust that I'm going to be here every day. So, like, we don't ever close this place. Like, holidays and stuff, like, we have very few of those. Um, we're here, like, almost every day um, because we want them to know that, like, we are going to be here through all of it um, and see you through all different seasons. And even when kids make bad decisions, um, I mean, they might have to take a day off or something like that before they come back, but it's never like, okay, now we're just gonna give up on you. Um, so just knowing that they can trust the people that we are, and it does, it takes time. I mean, I had three kids come in, I guess, the, let's see, probably the end of last school year, so probably April or so, um, and I feel like it really took them until like this school year to really come out of their shelves. They came in, they were really quiet, um, and I just kept asking them, like, what's one good thing that happened to you today? And that's what, when I pick kids up from school, that's one thing that I ask them um, after getting them in car line is like, okay, yes, this might have gone wrong, you might be mad at this teacher, you might be upset with this person, this person might have been mad, but like, what's one good thing that happened to you today? And just kind of focusing on those one good things. Um, so I think it's just them knowing that we're still going to be here no matter what, them trusting that we're going to follow through with the little things that we are. Um, and then, yeah, like just being there for them, I guess.
So as a whole for City of Refuge, the, the end of the passage we looked at today also includes talking about sharing with the Lord's people who are in need and practicing hospitality, which obviously is a huge part of your culture here, regardless of age and stage. What are the different programs and ministries that you have just under the City of Refuge umbrella that accomplish those things in terms of sharing with those who are in need and practicing hospitality? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> so we have, I guess, so we have housing um, for women and children in crisis. So that can be just single women or women with children. Um, and the way that they do it here, it's like, we run off a wait list, so yes, we know there's more people and more people we could serve, but we also want the people that come into our program um, to be treated with like dignity and passion and excellence and integrity. So those are our four main values. And when it comes to each of those things, like the ladies, when they move into a room, like we have completely painted the room when someone moves out. We put a new fresh coat of paint in, we put a new bed in, we put a new comforter in, we put a new mattress in. So it's like when they come here, they get their own room. They're not in like a room with multiple other people. Like they get their own room that they can call theirs and call their space. So I I mean, I can't even imagine like when ladies come in, like what, what they're thinking when they get here. It's just like, I have a new space that I can call my own and I'm safe and I have a bed and it's not just for one night like this is the program that we're going to walk through with you so we provide on-site counseling we have case managers on site and this is supposed to be like a one-stop shop so if you're sick we have emergency care on site um, if you need a job we have a job training hub on site um, and we, we feed three meals a day every day out of the year um, and so just know like if you're hungry because a lot of times like just like we are hungry spiritually like we are when bodies are hungry um, they're tired they can't think straight so it's like when they come in here and they know that like I have a fresh meal and I'm gonna have another one in the morning um, it just really allows them to like be their full selves so we do, um, so we have housing um, just for women and children, like pretty much in homelessness or in crisis. Um, we also have a housing that is for women who have been through sexual exploitation, sexual abuse, domestic violence, um, and same thing, just knowing that they're safe and that they're loved when they get here, um, and that we're gonna walk through all of the seasons, all of the trauma with them because we have on-site counseling and people to get them through it. Um, so we have youth programming, so we have a free preschool for women that come into our program and for just people in the community. Um, so they know my, if they know their kids taken care of, then they can work on themselves throughout the day and attend classes and attend programming and are able to attend parenting classes in the nighttime. And then we have um, an elementary program that is for kids after school, um, but also when school is out, moms don't have to stop their job and not get paid for that day because we're still here. We'll still take them for the school day. We'll provide fun experiences for them, different enrichment opportunities, and same thing for the youth that kind of runs out the same hours um, for middle and high school. And so just there's a lot of temptations in the world, but knowing that they can come here and try to fight some of those temptations and have a place. Um, and then we have a job innovation hub, which does all kinds of job training, culinary, cybersecurity, coding, um, and a Napa Mechanics, and so anyone in the community can come through those programs, um, be a part of them, and just like when they walk through the doors, like again, it's like a renovated space that's fresh and exciting, and it's not just like a dingy space that's thrown together. Like we want you to know that you're like worth this um, when you come into any of our programs. So that's just some of them. I'm like, there's probably a lot more. We're gonna open a junior home. We're about to open a men's home. Um, so a lot of different things that are in the works but 
the biggest thing with hospitality, and I kind of have a story from that, is we had a mom that was having a baby here, and her kids wanted to go actually to Camp Lighthouse the next day. So we were like, how can we make this work without a relative trying to take them off campus and whatnot? So my husband and I were like, well, we'll take them for the night. Um, and I think at the end it was like us getting to realize that taking a shower by themselves for a 10-year-old girl or getting to go out to eat and eat tacos on Tuesday was just, like, something so exciting for them that I feel like we learned, like, even more what the definition of hospitality is and how much hospitality, when you're hospitable, I guess, to other people, how much it ends up blessing you in the long run and not going into it with those motives but just coming out of it with, like, wow, that was such a blessing to be able to open up our home for one night to two little girls. Um... And just seeing, like, all the excitement and and stuff that it gave them, I guess, coming out of it. So That's a perfect example. So I'm going to ask you a personal question in a second. Before I do, if people wanted to volunteer or, or support City of Refuge, what's the website? Where would they go to find that information? Yeah. Um, so we do. If you just go to City of Refuge... Um, I think it's cityofrefuge.org, and if you go to the Get Involved Involved tab, and it should be up in the left-hand corner, and then Volunteer, and there's all types of opportunities on our website, um, either working with the kids department, working with the youth department, just cleaning up. Um, corporate groups will schedule days for them to come in and do like a takeover or paint a room so we can invite a new family and so we always have volunteer opportunities um and katie munson she kind of heads up all of those i think her email is under that tab as well but yeah city of refuge atl.org is our website awesome so i've been working with city of refuge for years with camp lighthouse so if you're listening i definitely recommend you uh, going to the website checking them out but now i want to flip the conversation personally to you virginia uh, in the middle of this passage there's a verse 11 and verse 12, I think, speaks specifically to people that are in the long haul for ministry. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And I know from all of the things you've just shared about City of Refuge, how many ministries you guys have going on. And I know how busy your after school program is and your, your summer programs are. How do you do that personally? How do you stay... Uh, I guess spiritually fueled and physically physically fueled enough um, to continue to run really what is a long race and not necessarily a sprint. Mm-hmm. So one thing I've realized over the year is just that, um, and I guess over my time doing ministry for the past four and a half years or so, but it's just if I take the focus off me, um, then it helps me to be able to continue to serve others. So if I'm not like, well, I need this, well, I need this, well, I need this, but I'm like, okay, what can I do for someone else today? Then I am instantly filled up. Um, and I think also I just start off my day. So right now I'm going through Isaiah. Um, but I start off my day in the morning and it's like, even if it's five minutes or if it's 30 minutes, depending on what time I get here, what, what time I'm needed, um, I spend my time in the Word um, and with the Lord. And so going through little bits of Scripture, and then I've gotten to where I write down, like, one verse that really stood out for me from that Scripture, and I put it on my wall. So I have a sticky note wall um, in my office, though, of just, like, little reminders throughout the day of all the things um, that I'm learning and all of the things that I'm grateful for and just finding those, like, little moments of, like, okay, yes, God, like, I've got this today because – I know that you're in charge or because I know that sometimes we have to restore and rebuild and just like little moments that little reminders that he's given me. So I start off my day with that. And it's funny, the days that I realize 
I guess the days that I do not have that intentional time in the morning, my day goes all which way. So I've just made it a priority, and it's even, I don't do it at home because that just doesn't work for my schedule, but I keep my Bible in my office, and as soon as I get here, I close my door, turn on my lamps, put a little bit of worship music on, um, and just sit and read, um, and just try to learn from the Lord, and then spend some time in prayer, and that might be in a 30-second prayer for patience that day, or it might be a long one, um, just kind of depending on my time, but I think first off, that time in the morning with the Lord, and then secondly, yeah, just taking it back to the verse, um, and to not lack in zeal and enthusiasm for the people that I'm serving, and so to consider little wins as big wins. So um, if we have one day where a kid writes his letters or, um, or writes his name or something like that, then I consider that a win and it was a good day. Um, or if I have one intentional conversation with a child right when they get off the bus, I had a mom that came up to me a few weeks ago and was just like, I'm having a really hard time with my daughter. Like, what do I do? And I was like, well, I'll try to sit down and talk to her. So I had that one conversation and I was like, my whole day was super exhausting and super tiring. But if I had that one conversation at the end of the day and maybe it went somewhere and she opened up a little bit to me, then I may consider that it went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it puts purpose into like the work that we're doing. Um, and it's just to remember like who I'm doing it for. Like I'm not serving people for myself or to be blessed by myself. I'm serving them to serve the Lord because if he cares for them, then I should care for them. Um, and one of my favorite songs right now is Jaira. Um, and it just talks about like, if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he love you? And I just have to like remind myself about that. Like he loves them. So then I'm called to love them. Um, and if he's put me in this place, then he has me here for a reason. And even on the tiring and exhausting days, um, I know that he's using me to further his kingdom and it's really not about me, I guess, at the end of the day. So, yeah. Well, Virginia, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for partnering with us with Camp Lighthouse. Um, it's always a pleasure to do ministry with you guys. Yes. Um, and for those of you that are listening, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.